the Book of Medora podcast. It's a podcast where we discuss the lore and the fiction and the story and the plot and the characters and the themes of the Legend of Zelda series. This is part three of our episode on Train Whistle of the Wide World, the best handheld Zelda game. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Now, last we left off, we had just defeated Burn at the Tower of Spirits. But Link and Zelda were so busy celebrating that Burn was able to just limp away. Yeah, he just kind of goes out the dang old door, and Link and Zelda watch him leave, and it there's like a five-second space where they're still like staring after him, all happy in their victory. And then they realize that he's getting away, and then they chase him. I guess they expected him to sort of poof and turn into a heart. Or at least, ha- at least have the good sense and manners to, like, not run away. Mm. Well, he runs away to the top of the Tower of Spirits, where Cole is finishing up his ritual to resurrect the Demon King Maladus in the body of Princess Zelda Hyrule. Let me, let me, let me do a little dialogue read here. Oh, boy. Ch- Cole, was the resurrection successful? disappointed in you burn that's a good cold voice what why even those children proved to be too much for you well at least you bought us some time behold the demon king's return draws nigh no not with my body congratulations on your resurrection your majesty and then maladus is in zelda's body and maladus like wakes up with the red demon eyes and the why, and the yellow pupils, and it speaks in this really deep, masculine-coded voice, like, Hey, everybody, I'm back. And then Maladus has a little bit of a freakout, because uh, this body isn't prepared for him just yet. Or at least it's taking a while for him to adjust to being in it. So even though he's technically back, he's not able to do very much as of right this second. But that's okay, because the demon train shows up. Yeah, Cole calls on the demon train, and the demon train appears out of the darkness, and... Cole takes Maladus, and the two of them get away on the demon train, which flies away through the air. And it's bad. It's very bad. And Burn asks Maladus for the power that he has always dreamed of. All right. But Maladus just shoots him with a concussion beam. And Cole explains Maladus will never give him give Burn the power he desires, because he was once a servant of the spirits of good. That was very bad planning on Burn's part. <laughs> Let's just say it's, it's sort of this uh, theme for how people deal with demons and Cole in particular is believing that they will stick to their word. Yeah. They, yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, like if you're raised amongst the locomo and the spirits of good and you have no real concept of what lying is and you've been completely truthful in every single conversation leading up to now. If a, just a jerk. Yeah. A truthful jerk. Like, you ne- Burn never has any subterfuge in, like, running in any scene that he's in. Never tries to trick nobody. Always very open about what he's doing. We'll take the time to explain to you and make sure that you understand exactly what's going on. Cole's the opposite, and Burn being tricked by him is exactly what you would expect out of both of these characters. And Maladus To be fair, Chancellor Cole is very good at tricking people. Extremely. He managed to trick an entire kingdom and murder the monarchs and seize control of the kingdom. I think at this point, Angene just declares it utterly hopeless. Yeah, that happens a little bit after. Angene does show up, and Zelda's like, Angene, you're alive! And Angene's like, yeah, but uh, this is bad. Come on, let's go down to the spirit train. So they take up 
burn and they take him down to the passenger car in the spirit train. They have this long conversation with Angie. Or Angie's like, uh, okay, listen, now that Maladus has your body, he's basically invincible. And once he adjusts to it, it doesn't matter anymore. We can't win. The spirits of good would be literally nothing before him. Your body is so powerful that he's 10 times worse than what he was before. So the sacred power of the goddess Hylia exists within the flesh of her descendants. Yeah. More or less. Or maybe something vital remained in the body, Mm. even as Zelda's ghost was ejected. So they are very particular about about the word choice of the bloodline of the goddess versus the spirit of the hero. Well, the bloodline of the royal family of Hyrule in this particular case, because the lore of the goddess Hylia had yet to be established in the setting. So Anjin explains they have to find the sacred weapon that once won the war against the, the, the demons, and that's the Bow of Light, which is hidden inside the Sand Temple in the Sand Realm. Kind of makes you wonder what that battle was like, because that bow, it drives out the spirit from a body. Yeah, it seems to indicate that probably they shot Maladus with it before, and that's why he's a ghost now. Makes sense to me. Because when Maladus first manifests, he's like this big, silly-looking skull. He's like a he's like a bubble from Wind Waker, only much bigger. Let's talk about the Bow of Light. Okay. Now the light arrows have appeared in many games. The Bow of Light, uh, in not as many games, it has appeared only in Twilight Princess. Spirit Tracks, A Link Between Worlds, and Breath of the Wild. What do you make of that? Where did this bow come from? In this particular case, it seems to have been a weapon specifically made by the Spirits of Good. Okay, so it's not derived from Hyrule. Not necessarily, I don't think. There's not just one sacred power. I think that probably in Link Between Worlds, it's made with Zelda's own personal power, which is the power of Hylia. In Twilight Princess, it's, I think, pretty explicitly made by the Light Spirits. Yes. And in Breath of the Wild, again, it seems to be made by Zelda and given to Link. Maybe if you're just a very light-aligned force of good, you can you can generate this. Yeah, but you need to be, like, on the level of a minor god, at yeah. least. Well, this thing that fires light. Yeah. And this one functions a little bit differently from most... Uh, bows of light throughout the rest of the series and that it's just when link uses it it's mostly a normal bow and he has to take a second to charge it up and his regular arrow will be infused with the power of light oh yeah that is very different but we're not using it yet because we haven't found it yet that's true we haven't found it yet and the way that you access the sand realm is it the sand realm it is the sand realm okay so the way that you you expect it to be i I don't know, the Desert Realm or something? I forget. I forget even though I played this segment like three days ago. So the way that you access it is that Angine herself gives you a Force Gem, which opens up the spirit tracks into the last segment of the Sand Realm. It's in the Ocean Realm. Yeah, the Sand Realm is on the northern side of the Ocean Realm, bordering the Fire Realm. It's the Beach Realm. Kind of the Beach Realm. Lovely waterfront property. Yes, and... There's sort of this big train scale puzzle that you have to solve to get inside of the sand sanctuary where 
the sand realm is littered with these giant head statues and you need to figure out how all of their visions intersect with each other so that when you go into the entrance of the sand sanctuary you can figure out a very specific spot that you need to bomb in order to open up the staircase that leads down into the sanctuary itself and for anyone who hasn't done this part before and is playing through spirit tracks uh just use a guide it's very difficult to get the exact spot down when you're using the lines of sight from the statues and then marking it down on your map and then transferring the marking from your rail map onto the map of the sanctuary. Did you use a guide? I sure did. I went, hold on, I know I'm off by like five feet. In which direction is it? I'm like, oh, I was a little bit too far to the northeast. And that's it. What's funny about this part is Angie and Burn ride along with Zelda and Link. Yes. On the train. That's nice. Mm. You never usually have a crowd of people in, in the Zelda games. Yeah, that's very true. And Burn's unconscious. And Angine can't do nothing because she's also wounded. So this is another case where you're having to run around like these damn kids. Visually, the Sand Temple kind of looks a lot like uh, Muto's Temple from Phantom Hourglass. I almost would have thought... Yeah, I could see it being like Muto's Temple. I, I admit that I would have thought like the Arbiter's Grounds, in a sense. Okay, a so here's my theory. Pyramid. Are you ready for this? Sure. This is going to be a classic Book of Medora theory. Oh, boy. <laughs> the Cobble Kingdom was the kingdom that existed in New Hyrule uh, during the time of the War of the Spirits. Okay. Uh, oh, it, it includes there? Yeah, yeah the, the- the, there was their kingdom... And then some of them were refugees into the world of the Ocean King, like the Anuki, but they they didn't make it there. And they died. Oh. Well, uh, hold on. What? Why? Because they the the Sand Temple looks a lot like Muto's Temple, so I think they built it. I see. What makes you think that it was necessarily the Cobble Kingdom, though? Do the Cobble also use the Crest of the Triforce? The Cobble do not use the Crest of the Triforce. Have we considered that this old Hyrule, as it were... Actually, that's it. Have we just considered that this is like the original Hyrule that we're seeing now, and new Hyrule is the one that you're running around in an Ocarina of Time? That may well be the case, yes. We did talk about that last episode, or yeah. two episodes ago. Okay, just wanted to be sure about that. But the cobbled people could be a part of that oh, absolutely. new old Hyrule. Absolutely. I'm not suggesting that it's not. I'm just trying to like figure... Does the existence of the coin with the crest of the Triforce suggest that the cobble may have lived here but weren't necessarily the rulers at the time? So perhaps they were like the Roman Empire and this was Judea and it had its own minority religion. Uh, Cam? I got nothing. Got nothing? I got nothing. What about the significance of just pyramids in general? Because there are pyramids in Four Swords Adventures. There are pyramids in Link to the Past. And Link to the Past. Pyramids in Zelda usually ain't no good. Except for this one. This one's fine. Uh, I don't know. This one's a fortified pyramid with, like, turrets on it. Angine does tell you before you go in that this whole place was built specifically to house the Bow of Light and to protect it from outsiders. So you're going to have to get in past stuff that was built by the spirits of good and the locomo specifically to keep people out everything that you run into in here is not a result of maladus's power it's the spirits working against you 
but also everything set up so that with the tools that you've got from the rest of your journey, you can still get through it if you work really hard. I guess we jumped ahead because there's, is it rail? Yeah, I, I yeah we jumped ahead a little bit, but it's worth talking about that there's still more shit you have to do before you get to the sand. Yeah. What do you want to say about rail? Because, I mean, rail's just inside the sanctuary once you get into it, and then you play a little diddy-doo. He's got some sort of a reed, like an oboe thing. He's. I think that I found his Locomo song the most difficult of all of them because he starts playing on a beat that's completely different from the beat that you're supposed to be playing to, and it's easy to get confused if you're not listening properly. And I'm not very musically inclined, so this section was pretty tough for me. Just this song was hard. I don't have much to say about rail, but there is stuff to do after you play with rail. Yeah, you get to go into the actual, real, grown-up Lost Woods segment of this entire game, which is trying to get through the southern edge of the Fire Realm so you can swing around to the eastern side of the Sand Realm. And the way that it works is you have to take different exits through this interconnection of tunnels and segments in the south of the Fire Realm in a particular sequence and some of them you might even have to go backwards because if you don't you'll just end up back at the start it's very confusing how do you figure out to go backwards you know what i don't even remember i think that i just took every single path i could i went you know what i'll just try backwards and it kept me going forward and i was like all right i guess that's fine did you brute force your way through this? i brute forced my way through the whole thing yeah i mean i remembered what particular paths i took that seemed to get make me go forward instead of putting me back at the entrance Oh, wait. No, I know how it is. How? You're supposed to look at the map. What? The map will tell you, it looks like which direction you have to go, but some of it is backwards. Is that how that works? Yes. I was looking at the map. I can't believe you brute this. I was looking at the map, but certain parts of the tracks are covered by like what seems to be a ceiling that obscures parts of the map. Is that how it was? Uh-huh. Oh, man. I'm bad at Zelda games. Crystal, tell me about the sand temple and how you get inside of it. How you get inside the sand temple? Hell yeah! There's one oh, last you have to lock. Do a bunch of stuff, don't you? No, you it's to... actually this last bit's actually pretty simple. Like it's what you consider to be the beginning of the sand temple. Uh, actually managing to get in the door and park your train. Okay. Well, you you gotta get the sand wands, and the sand wand you can make walls of sand. They can be vertical or they can be like or they can be like they're like squares of sands and you can like push stuff around with them and you can like block enemy attacks with them uh and you can like flip over boulders with them so that the boulders can hit heavy switch that link is not heavy enough to trigger about half of that is right and about half of that is taken from triforce of the gods too when they brought back the cane of burna wait What's different about the sand wand in Triforce of the Gods too? There's no sand wand. It's the it's the cane that makes blocks. Isn't there a sand wand in Link Between Worlds? Is there? Yes. Oh shit! How did you forget about that? Because I was equating it with the wand that makes blocks. Oh no! There's definitely a sand wand, and I think the one in Link Between Worlds it just goes in a straight line. Oh. This one you can kind of draw you on can, the ground where you, you want it. to you could cover basically the entire screen. Yeah. But all it does is make ones that come up. And you do use it to move boulders and stuff, and you can use it to block certain enemy attacks or stop rolling boulders and whatnot. Um, but actually getting inside of the temple that I was talking about is the 
outside of the pyramid is bristling with giant cannons that are bigger than your train, and you have to blow them all up to get inside. The sand temple has a lot of traps. It is a very trap-filled temple. It's got quicksands that you can only get past if you use the sand wand to walk on top of the sand pillars that you can make. It's got all sorts of automatic arrow shooters that will just fillet your ass, make you into the shish kebabs. It's got Stalfos. Is this the first appearance of Stalfos in this game, or have they been in a couple of temples before this? Hmm. I can't remember. I do know they're in this one, though. Stalfos in this game are particularly interesting in that they're very frustrating to hit. They behave sort of like they do in Link to the Past, where they'll jump away from you if you try to hit them with your sword. So the thing that I like to do is to throw a bomb at them, and no matter how powerful they are, a single bomb blast will blast them to smithereens and you have no more Stalfos. Stalfos really aren't jumpy in the 3D ones. No, they're not. They mostly stay put. Monica's playing through Skyward Sword right now, and Stalfos in that one don't really jump at all. They, they, jump, they, they jump at you. They jump a little bit in Ocarina of Time. They'll jump over you and try to do a cross-up. They have the two swords, and they use them to block your strikes, so you gotta be tricky. Yeah, you do. Gotta be big tricky. Anyway, you're going through the Sand Temple, and it's a fun temple. All the temples and dungeons and spirit tracks are, generally speaking, pretty good. The Sand Temple is no exception to that. And once you get past all the crazy stuff and you got your San Juan, you have a boss fight. And what's the boss's name? Skeldritch, who is identified as an ancient demon. An ancient demon trapped here by the spirits of good, it seems? Sure. Crystal, can you describe Skeldritch? Skeldritch is like a a big snake with a human head that's rising up vertically out of the the big sand arena, which kind of looks like Star-Lord's arena from Twilight Princess. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a, a skull and on a stick. He's gonna he's he's gonna shoot rocks at you and you gotta block them with the sand wand walls. And then you gotta push the rocks into a, a catapult and then you gotta make Skaldrish face the right direction and then activate the catapult to blast his face with the rock. And you gotta do that three times, so th- and then only the head will be left, and then it's gonna try to, like, hop around and hit you, but you gotta hit the ruby on the back of its head. Uh, that is a... Similar, one might say, to the Eox fight in Phantom Hourglass, the boss of Muto's temple. That is pretty similar. And f- that was a very succinct explanation of most of the boss fight there, Crystal. Good job. Um... Yeah, I like uh, Skeldrich's design in particular because he's really silly looking at the same time that he's terrifying because he's like he's like this giant skull that's wearing a v- stereotypical Viking helmet and the vertebrae of its spine are wrapped around with iron coverings and cannons. It really does remind me of um, Star-Lord. So, and you've got four catapults set up. And you have to be able to activate the catapults from different sides of the room so the camera will pull back while you're running around so you can activate the catapult switches with your bow. And it's a very dynamic, very fun fight. And when it's just Skeldrich's skull, his hat falls off and then his ruby is exposed. And he just kind of hops around trying to bite you. But you can trap him in a whole bunch of sand and then run around behind him and hit him in the back of the head a lot. How's his hat like? It's like a big stereotypical Viking helmet. Oh. That's really cute. And then when you kill it, it kind of explodes. And then it's dead. Good job. 
Good job. And then instead of getting something for the rail map, you get the bow of light. How many Zelda dungeons lead to, you know, when completing the dungeon lead to a weapon? Not very many. It's pretty rare. Can you think of any, Crystal? I cannot think of any. Yeah, I think this might be like the most atypical result of beating a dungeon. Listeners, if you can think of any, please let us know. Yeah, because we're at a loss, clearly. So now you have the Bow of Light. You do. And you go back to the Tower of Spirits and you tell Anjin, we got the bow, we're ready to kill Maladis. But she explains, that's all well and good, but we don't actually know where he is. I can't find the demon train. And then Burn wakes up and reveals that Chancellor Cole also did not uh, know how to find the demon train. So Cole made him build the Compass of Lights in order to locate it. That's a pretty interesting point. Yeah, this occurred to me while I was playing through. Um, There's an interesting bit in the last conversation that we skipped, and I want to come back to that later. But for this right here, uh, the explanation for why Cole didn't take the Compass of Light with him is that it's made with the power of the Spirits of Good, so that neither Cole nor Maladus can touch it but the fact that it was needed to be made because cole on his own could not find the demon train that's not within his power so in order to find it they needed the power of the spirits why is it that it's just the power of the spirits of good that can be used to find the demon train i assume that it was because the spirits sealed the train but that's just the thing the demon train is in the dark world where demons reign supreme maybe the demons that were still in the regular world lost track of where the dark world is maybe what do you think of this crystal i think the dark realm is very large and you you can't really lock on to the demon train signal because it's like darkness searching for darkness in the darkness (laughs) but if you recruit a spirit of lights the locomo in training burn then he can use the light to shine on the darkness like a flashlight like a flashlight Uh. it's like if you're looking for your keys and you need a flashlight (laughs) i see i was thinking that maybe the spirits of light actually had something to do with the demon train what oh really i'm not really sure but, like, everything that has to do with trains seems to be derived from the spirits of good, except for the demon train. Like, the spirit tracks themselves are the chains that they use to bind down Maladus. Maladus himself doesn't have anything to do with trains. The demon train has no clear origin and exists apart from both Cole and Maladus, though it will answer to their calls. Also, it looks like Ganon. So it's like... It does look like Ganon. It super looks like Ganon. So I think that... Okay, okay, I got a theory, I got a theory, I got a theory. Is this a real theory or like a jokey theory? Yes, this is a real theory. So we we have established that the chosen people of Helia, some of them lived in this realm, right? Yeah. So the curse of demise did in fact happen in both timelines. And in uh, the non... Well, in the timeline that we do not refer to as the accursed timeline, even though technically now we're saying it is accursed. Uh, the the curse went to went to this part of Helia's people, of where Helia's people live. But then the spirits of good were there, and they bound the curse to the demon train. 
I see. So the act of destroying the demon train does what? Freeze the curse? Uh, just kills it. That isn't how the curse works. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not to say that that can't be the case, but if we're going to treat with this, then we have to accept the idea that that means that this new kingdom will have to contend with a very great evil in the future, and it is no more free of the past than any other iteration of Hyrule. That is something we will have to contend I, with, yes. I think that the, the the demon train, like, isn't it possible that it could have been a corruption of a regular train or a spirit train? Like it was the original spirit train? Maybe. But then, it, you know, they wanted to put on a big Ganon head on it because it looked hardcore. It's super sick. That's what demons like. I guess it could just... Yeah, given that all the demon trains in the game are just regular trains that are possessed by demons, I would be willing to believe that the demon train itself, the larger demon train, is something like the spirit train only possessed by one of the chief demons, a cousin to Maladus. Why doesn't it just say, hey, I'm over here then? It's a train. And... Oh. It's completely separate. Like... You can't call it because it is so far beyond most of the demons. Only Maladus is of a strength necessary to bend it to his will. Hmm. Or maybe the demon train is only loyal to Maladus and only comes to Cole once the plot to resurrect Maladus has been going along. It's kind of a mystery. Or maybe it just didn't know what was going on. It's like when you're walking through a parking lot and you're pressing the button on your keys to try to find your car, but you're too far away. Maybe it's like a big dog. It's like a big dog, and it's very interested in what it's sniffing, and it's not immediately responding to your call. <laughs> yes. Or maybe, I, I mean to say, maybe it's just not uh, sapient. A big dog demon. Gotta wake it up. It seems to be pretty loyal to Cole. It does. It definitely answers him at the start of the game. It answers him when he calls it at the top of the tower, Spirits. It definitely knows how to come when called. But so once you find it and you take away the interesting thing that it's sniffing. Maybe it's not that the light compass let them find the demon train. Maybe it's that the demon train responds to the light compass and tries to snuff it out. Okay, so it's not like a dog. It's like a bug. Well, I, I, I could still be a dog. <laughs> but no, they, they um, call... Couldn't and Maladus can't do anything with the compass of light. They yeah, can't they, even touch it. Yeah. So it was just left where it was, you know. It's like when your dog hears <sighs> something outside and they don't know what it is and they try to investigate it and they start barking really loud. Um, okay. You never had an inside dog? No, I've never had a dog. Oh, well, that's that's very sad, firstly. Dogs are fun. Um, secondly, dogs are also wild because they don't know what's going on. I love dogs. Dogs are good because they just don't know nothing, but they try very hard. They are so good. They are so good all the time. And if we make the demon train into a dog, I think that I'm probably making it too kind. Anyway, the demon train is an asshole, and you do actually need to get the light compass. Oh, but first you get your sword. Yes, you do get your sword. Anjean hands over the Locomo sword, which she says was built specifically to combat demons and up to now has only been wielded by the spirits of good. Why is it called the Locomo Sword then? Maybe it was made by the Locomo for the spirits of good. Mm. 
but it possesses their power. And that's interesting to me because it suggests that when the Locomo did battle with Maladus, they did so in the shape of people because they use swords and bows and stuff. Other things can hmm. use swords. Like, Guardians can use swords. Well, that's Guardians are still shaped like people. And in Breath of the Wild? Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of phantoms. Looks a lot like the Master Sword. It looks a lot like the Master Sword. It's got the same, like, really flared out hilt thing going on. Not a very practical sword in a lot of ways, but it's just pulsing with good magic. So I guess it works. What do we make of it looking like the Master Sword? I don't know. Because there's... Hmm. There's only the one Master Sword in this timeline. Is this the equivalent of the Master Sword where instead of being forged by the sages with the blessings of the gods, it's forged by the Locomo with the blessings of the spirits of good? Right, this is the Master Sword of a different religion. Yeah, I could buy that, of a different region of the world. The whole world just has this whole sword aesthetic going. Yeah, if your sword is holy, it's going to look like it's trying to fly. And the, the blue hilty thing. The blue hilty thing is going to look like it's trying to fly, yeah. There's one particular bit we don't talk we didn't talk about uh, before going to the Sand Temple. Um, Zelda asks Angene to take care of Burn and make sure that he's alive. And Angene's like, are you sure that you want me to do that? He is responsible for what's happened to you. And Zelda's like, well, yeah, he's wounded and he was betrayed and... Also, when I get my body back, I'm going to beat the snot out of him with my fists. Sometimes people just need to get their ass kicked, like Burns. Just need to get their ass kicked by 10-year-old girls wearing opera gloves. I love that she... How? Why did Anjin wait to give you the locomotion? Ah, <laughs> uh, Very good question. Uh, mm, I don't know. Maybe she thought things would never get this far. It's definitely true that you didn't need it up to now. It would have been helpful climbing the tower. No, but you didn't need it. You, you didn't need it, but it would have been helpful. You wouldn't have to gather those tears of light or whatever. Yeah, but the tears of light... You could have done this faster, and perhaps you could have gotten up there before Maladus was resurrected. Absolutely. I, I got nothing. The locomo work in mysterious ways. Yeah, I... That's about all I can say. Angine is closer to being like an oracle than she is one of the more traditional sages. Something, something, spirit of the hero has to be forged. Angine is the Raru of this setting. What? No, she is. Think about it for a second. She is... The, the Locomo are a group of six holy servants of the gods with vast magical powers, and she is their head. It would have been cool if there was one of the sages that was like a backstabber stage. Like Burn? Yes. Yeah, that's what this story is. I, I guess so. Burn was pretty cool. Even if some people like giving him the doofy voice. I, I, I'd only brought up the thing with Zelda wanting to beat up Burn with her fist because it's funny and it's absurdity. And also she has this little animation where she's floating there and she's like shadow boxing against nothing, making little punching sounds. And Burns awake for the whole thing. Burns conscious for much longer in the game than he lets the other characters know about. Before we venture further, which I think will be a point of no return, is there anything else to cover in the game? Well, it's not actually a point of no return. Isn't it? Nope. There is a point of no return, but this isn't it. Oh, okay. Oh, what do you want to cover? There is a lost sea station, which is 
a replica of a legendary temple in a distant kingdom, which is basically a remake of the Temple of the Ocean King. <gasps> I didn't unlock that in this playthrough. Mm. Yeah, it's totally there. How 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 much of a replica is it? Um, pretty close to an exact replica. Do, do you go through it? Is, yeah, is there's it no a, timer. Is it as big? Not as big. No timer? No. What do you do? You run around and I think there's phantoms. Uh-huh. And you puzzle around and there's a regal ring at the bottom. Oh, that's sick. I should go do this. If it's more Zelda, if it's more of the puzzles where you get to run around with Zelda, then I'm definitely going to go do that. I didn't make track of that. Maybe. I mean, there's phantoms. Yeah. So the Ocean King is known and honored within the land of New Hyrule. Or was, yeah. Right, because he is the foreign god who was able to house so many refugees in his realm. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. There's definite uh, definite precedence for gods taking in refugees throughout this particular timeline. Um, I think at this point you can also actually complete your 20-stamp book for Nico. The last one being the top of the Tower of Spirits. Yep, and you get your great spin attack. Yep. Oh, uh... By the way, at 15 stamps, you can get your engineer clothes back. So a lot of the players will probably be running around in their engineer's outfit. I definitely was. It just looks better when you're driving the train with a little cap. <laughs> and a lot funnier when you're beating up things in, in your engineer uniform. Which uniform do you prefer, Crystal? Oh, the engineer uniform. Not even close. <laughs> okay, that's fair. It's funny because Zelda players have seemed to like alternative uniforms or outfits for quite a while before Breath of the Wild. They love alternative options, but hate when the default is changed. Mm. Do people hate the Breath of the Wild? Clothes? I don't think it's a majority opinion, but you can definitely find quite a few folks who s refused to try to get past a certain point in the game until they could, and I quote, look like Link. Okay, buy the amiibo. Yeah, buy the amiibo and use it every day. Or... You know, beat all 120 shrines. Some people... Yeah, but that, that one's bad. Some people That's did that, too. <laughs> I'll see. He's got dumb little shorts that, like, extend past his tunic. That did... It's a bad outfit. Yeah, it's not great. Well... I don't love it. Well, here we are. Um, in Take Em All On, you can fight a Shadow Link, or three Shadow Links. A uh, bunch of Shadow Links. Take Em All On becomes a 16 or 20 room boss gauntlet where you have to fight through the hardest imaginable enemy setups in the game and then all five major bosses up to now in order and then one dark link oh one dark link okay and it is very hard and if i remember from when i was doing this in order to try to get all the different train parts uh you get either a, an alchemy stone or a regal ring and if you want to get more than one of those a day and you're very good at the game then take them all on is probably the best way to do it you can complete your train collection at this point. Oh, yeah. Are there any interesting sets that we want to talk about? Crystal, do you have a preferred train in Spirit Tracks? I like the Spirit Train. The default one? Mm -hmm. It does need to be mentioned that outside of the Spirit Train, which has a default health value of four hearts, all the other sets have more hearts. If you get one part of a different train, it'll take you up to five. And if you get the full set of a separate train, it'll take you up to six. There's one last set, the gold train, that can take you all the way up to eight hearts. Yeah, that's the one I use because it's ostentatious. 
Yeah, but that's horrible. Well, it's also like clearly the final, you know, hard to get set. And that's how I choose things in video games. I like the very um, solid names of the original Spirit Train parts. Practical Cannon, Solid Passenger Car, Trusty Freight Car. Now, see, I like the Steel Train because its steam whistle sounds very large and it looks really cool when you have all four pieces lined up and also the names of it sound good. There's the Steel Engine, the Heavy Cannon, the Sturdy Passenger Car, and the Efficient Freight Car. Oh, the description says this steam train appeals to strong, silent types everywhere. Is that you, Cam? No, it's not. I talk more than probably the two of you put together on this podcast. <laughs> I like the uh, the the stagecoach train. Yeah, it's got Ooh. a very nice uh, medieval Europe fantasy feel to it. There's horses on the front. Yeah, the stagecoach engine actually has two horses, like merry-go-round horses, and when you uh, go at speed with them, they actually like make this running motion. It's very cool. Oh, the sweet train is good too because yeah. I love things made out of food. Yeah, and it's a it's a cake. And honey. And more cake. And pie. Yeah. And like a, a jam roll at the front. And all of them have their own particular steam whistle sounds. And that's one of the reasons that the gold train is bad, actually. Because when you pull its steam whistle, it just makes a tinkling noise. Yeah, it's not a very good good whistle sound. But apparently the smoke on the golden train seems to have some gold in it. <laughs> that's great. That's ostentatious. So of these ones here, Crystal, assuming you can't pick the spirit train, assuming that you can only drive one train for the rest of your professional career, which of these trains do you pick? Stagecoach. That's a good pick. Oh, I, I, I spent I also in my first playthrough spent the time to get all of the different train cars, and that takes a while. It's because it's all dependent on what you sell to Lineback, right? Yes, you need to collect treasure. And one of the problems with collecting treasure in this game is that each file has what is essentially a loot table assigned to it at file creation. There's four different rarity levels of uh, treasure in Spirit Tracks. And the middle two, which are the 150 rupee and the, I think, 300 rupee, possibly 500 rupee, uh, treasure values have rare pieces it's random which one is rare for you but you'll get far fewer of them in my current playthrough my rare piece at the cheaper level was the um oh hell demon fossils and if you don't get enough demon fossils you cannot make the dragon train don't even try that's kind of a bummer that's a really fun quirk i didn't realize that this rarity thing was assigned I can imagine a lot of arguments like someone going, oh, you know, I can never get these demon fossils. And another person like, are you are you nuts? They're like under every every stone. Well, see, that's just the thing is that there's a trade mechanic built into it. Oh, right. So you should theoretically be able to trade with someone who is getting parts that you are not. That's clever. It's like Animal Crossing. It's very clever, except that we're playing it a decade after the fact. It's Animal Crossing, and your place has peaches, and you want apples. Yeah, basically. Also, um, we may have mentioned that... Uh, what, was, what was the name of the village in the Ocean Realm where all the men were kidnapped? Papuchia? Yeah, Papuchia Village. And 
you eventually can unlock the rail map that'll take you over to the pirate fortress where all the kidnapped men are being held captive. And it turns out it's only one guy. <laughs> there was only one guy in here. And you have sort of a shooting gallery you can do. And that's a fun shooting gallery because you shoot mini blends. And I hate mini blends and they should all die. Wait, so they described the kidnapping of one guy as all, all the men the... in the village. Yes. And then he comes back. And you may have done the thing where his you've fetched a husband for his girlfriend. So-called girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend. Uh, I don't know. Because when he goes to her house, he sees that she's married now. And he's like, what's going on here? And she's like, I'm married? And he's like, what? What about us? And she says, there was no us. Oh, not a girlfriend. Yeah. And he's like, "That I've been kidnapped for three months and this is the welcome back I get? And she's like, what did you expect? And he's like, wow, okay, bye. And he leaves. And Zella says, wow, that was awkward. Maybe we shouldn't have rescued him. Did he deserve to be kidnapped by mini blends forever? Well, I mean, he's clearly a fuckboy. What's your take on this, Crystal? He sucks. <laughs> All right, Do good. Do fuckboys deserve to be, like... Kidnapped by mini blends? <laughs> forever, or three months, or longer than three months? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Um, the, and when you go back, it's actually a lot more fun, because that guy doesn't come back, but you still have to rescue people from inside the pirate fortress. And there's two... Goran kids there and outside one of the Goran kids is like my friend got kidnapped by the pirates oh I don't want to play hero anymore I'm scared so you go in and you rescue the kidnapped Goran and when you get back outside the first Goran has been kidnapped and it just keeps going around <laughs> oh, like no. that over and over that's terrible for as long as you want to play but but these kids are perpetually being kidnapped they're Gorans it's fine I guess they could just roll out they could but they won't Oh, but the other one is supposed to play hero. Yeah, he's supp he's supposed to play hero, but it turns out there are really monsters in there. Anyway, the only way for you to break this is to go after Maladus. So do we have anything else we want to talk about before we get into the next part? No. Okay. So you go back to the Tower Spirits, and if you're like me, you are a fool, and you will go back through manually the top portion instead of taking the warp pad, which will just take you to the top. Which would have been a very good thing to do, but I didn't do because, again, I'm a fool. And then you go up to the particular place where Cole resurrected Maladus, and you shoot the two eye things with the arrows of light, and it takes you down into a deeper part of the Tower of Spirits. It's kind of funny because you see the eyes the first time up there. Yep. But you don't have the bow of light, which is required to shoot them. Well, you can't even interact with them because you're only uh, up to now. You never walk around. You only see this area in a cutscene. Mm -hmm. And Angene told you that the Sand Temple would be the hardest part of your journey. Angene is full of shit. This next section of the Spirit Tower is arguably the most satisfying, but also the most brain-bending final dungeon sequence in any Zelda game. Because you have to travel between multiple rooms on multiple floors, taking control of all four different kinds of phantom. The standard phantom, the rolling phantom, the torch phantom, and the teleporting phantom. And you'll need to take them to different rooms to set off parts of puzzles, go back and get other phantoms, come back and break down different barrier so you can do other parts of other puzzles it's it's just really complex and difficult and when you get finished with it it feels really good 
Oh, and you're climbing down the tower. You're going down. That's fun. And there's all these really dark parts where you can't see shit. And you have to... This will be the part where maybe you discover that phantoms can knock out other phantoms. If, especially you're using a roller phantom, which can stun other phantoms by rolling into them. Oh, and I need to mention that I was wrong. You don't get rid of the phantoms by having zelda possess them you sure don't the they one regenerate they will regenerate the one that zelda is possessing does not regenerate but as soon as you swap over you have about 15 seconds before the one that she dropped comes back anyway so you get through this part it's really tough but it's really good spirit tracks is really good and it has really good puzzles and it feels good to get through these parts because when you're going through the combat sections with zelda she talks about how good it's been to fight alongside you and to feel like she's doing something and yeah, it's nice. And eventually you get to the point where you find the compass of light. After a very difficult final room that has one of each different kind of phantom in and you have to run all around the daring place. And you get the compass of light and it lights up the rail map. And what it does is out past your village, Aboda village, is a section of tracks you didn't see before leading out to an island. Which has an enormous death temple on it with a portal to the realm of demons. You think that somebody would have spotted this giant death demon temple? This kingdom has boats. They do. We know they do. Yeah. No, they didn't find it. It's right in the forest realm where it seems like a majority of people live. But when you ride up to it, Zelda actually says, Wow, who would have figured this was so close to home? Yeah. How are they supposed to communicate? By train. (laughs) Yeah, you you have the train. Yeah, but there were other trains, you know, before every bad thing happened. I think this only opened up recently. Oh, this part of the track. I wonder, though, before the spirit tracks were starting to be gotten rid of, was this section of track there already? Because, I mean, when when Burn used the... Uh, maybe Burn using the compass is what revealed this in the first place, and then it was hidden again when Cole started breaking up all the spirit tracks. Do people not walk around in this kingdom at all? The distances are really far. Yeah, but adventure. No. No adventure. This is a much more sensible version of the little kingdom. Okay, so there's a giant demon temple. To Before you head into that, Zelda asks you to make a moral choice. <gasps> uh-huh. She says, you know, w- once we're done with this... We're going to return to our normal lives. What are you going to do, Link? Are you going to be a train engineer? Are you going to be a warrior? Or do you not know? Yeah, you have those three options for Link. And (laughs) just the fact that they come down to engineer, warrior, and I don't know. Where it's like, you do the thing that you study for, you do the thing that you're doing now, or your dream is unclear. Oh, don't have an unclear dream. That's bad. Yeah, it's very bad. Which of these options did you pick, Crystal? Train engineer. (laughs) I also chose train engineer because it's like I wanted to be that in the first place, and it's fun being an engineer. Now, Monica, you chose warrior. I chose warrior. When you chose warrior, did you know that it would end up having the effect that it did? I don't remember. Because I can't see why you would choose warrior otherwise. I, I think I chose it with the same intention, though, as the ending Meaning, I like, you know, Z-Link. You, you want Link to be a warrior, not to be an engineer. No, I, I like him with Zelda. But that doesn't necessarily follow from picking warrior. It somehow made sense to me. Oh, uh, 
All right, 2009 was a very different time. So the option you would have chosen is your husband? <laughs> yeah. Wait, maybe. what? I don't... Huh? No, like, Link chooses that option on the question list. Oh, I see. But they're it's kids, so it's no. It's like, can we go out? Can we go out together? That'd be cute. No, what you... You remembered this being not warrior, but guard. Uh, that now, seems to now, be what I it, remember now. If it had been... No, I'm saying, like, when we talked about this before, you remembered it being a choice between engineer and because guard. Because he joins the guards. Right, of course. Uh, but, like, you wanted him to be the head of the royal guard. Well, if he joined the guards, he would be head of the royal guard eventually. Yeah, probably. Let's not kid ourselves about the uh, competency of the guards. Alfonso's very tough. <sighs> he left. Um, Go on, Crystal. I know all you're choices are good, except for I, I don't I'm know. Sorry. I'm sorry. Just, I'm just reading a Game Fox thread that details what happens in each of the three endings. And one of the posters is having a genuine classic forum meltdown over the fact that the title spoiled the existence of multiple endings. Oh, that's very strong. Oh, boy. We will, of course, talk about all of the endings once we get to that segment. But all of the endings are valid, but you probably shouldn't choose I Don't Know. I Don't Know is not a valid ending. It is very concretely the bad ending. Yeah. Because your dream is unclear. Sometimes bad endings are the most interesting ones, like in Dark Souls 3. Which one's the bad ending in Dark Souls 3? The bad ending, which is actually the best ending in Dark Souls 3, is the one where you attack the Fire Keeper and take the fire for yourself. Is that the bad ending? Yeah. Why is that the... Okay, why is it bad and why is it the most interesting? I I mean, I, I don't mean bad as a, as a judgment of its value. I mean, in the framework of it's like... It's the dark side the ending. good ending... Yeah, well, no, it's not even, because there's another dark side ending, but this is like the, like, it's not the true ending, it's not the good ending, it's not the dark ending, so it's the bad ending. What makes it the most interesting? Well, I didn't really like any of the other endings. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's the most interesting because it means that the Ashen One is going to do this thing and then cowards out. I, I don't think I'd characterize it as cowardice. I think he, the Ashen One just wants that fire. But doesn't want to burn themselves for it. The what all Ashen Ones want. I see. We have very differing opinions when it comes to Dark Souls 3, the third game in the Dark Souls series. The sequel to Dark Souls. Yes, the one actual. Not the sequel to Dark Souls 2. No, Dark Souls 2 doesn't have a sequel. And it's not a sequel to anything. Um, so it's time to go into the Dark Realm through the big portal. Uh-huh and fight the demon train there's actually a little segment before you can fight the demon train where you have to kill uh 10 regular trains and this is like the catharsis sequence because when you pick up tears of light in this uh, i guess i should set this up you're in a bunch of disconnected tracks that loop around a lot and have portals set up that come out in other places all over the tracks and there are 10 bullet-shaped little devil trains riding around, and you have to destroy all of them before you can get to the demon train. And there are tiers of light littered all over the tracks, and you travel much faster in this sequence than you travel everywhere else. And when you grab one of the tiers of light, you are made invincible for a little while, and you get this fun ditty you play, but while you're invincible, if you pull your steam whistle, you fly along at like Mach 7, and you can smash into the demon trains, and they just explode. Why are there? It's very. Why good. are there train tracks everywhere? Because this is the demon 
train realm. The demon train just started laying down these tracks because it's a train. It doesn't need tracks. Yeah. I was thinking like maybe the locomo or the spirits put it there. Maybe it actually does need tracks, but we can only see the tracks that it uses in the demon realm. Ah. Oh. Because you do actually see the train tracks that it uses in the sequence after this. Why are there tears of light? I'm, I, I'm guessing these were left behind by the spirits of good when they sealed away the demon train and Maladus. And other trains that were possessed by demons. Yeah. Okay. And it is a very good sequence because these things are t- absolutely horrible. And they've been hounding you through the whole game and now you can blow them all up and you go extremely fast. And if you lay out your route right, you can just slam through a whole bunch of tiers of light all in one sequence and keep going at Mach 7 the whole time and clear out the whole thing in like two minutes. Maybe this... It's like playing reverse Pac-Man. Yeah. Maybe this area isn't like the living realm of the demons. It was just where they were sealed. That would make sense. It's a jail for demons. Oh, demon jail. And these tracks are the spirit tracks keeping them locked in? Yeah. How'd the demon train get out? The compass. Oh, the compass is the key to the jail. Yeah. But then why does Maladus go back in here? It's Break the, everybody else out. It's literally the dark realm. Break everybody else out. I don't know if this I don't know if this follows. To hide and recuperate before they can take over the world. Hide from what? Blink and Zelda. Uh, that doesn't seem like Cole's bag. It's not Cole anymore. It's Maladus's call. It is a lot like... Is this the same dark realm that Varen and Onox came from? Isn't it Orox? <laughs> it's Onox. It's the one that you don't use, Kim. Piss on me, it is Onox. Again with this. Okay, so yeah, it, it, this is... Is this related... Do we think that this is the original demonic realm, the dark realm? Not the dark world, but the dark realm where the demons originally come from? I think so. Could this be the original home of Demise, too? I thought he burst from the earth. That's how the story goes, but no story is told by a reliable narrator in this setting. I'm undecided. Maybe? What's your take? No, I think Demise came from a different dark realm. You think that he's from a completely separate plane of demons compared to Maladus? I th- well, because he he came from the underground dark realm. What do you think, Cam? I, no, I don't. I don't think that that particular part of the narrative necessarily follows because no story told that we don't actually that we no story unless we actually witness it is necessarily true in the Legend of Zelda series. They're proven false all the time. This realm doesn't seem very livable. Even to demons. I mean, demons in this game seem to mostly be disembodied spirits that sometimes take on bodies. Though it's true that this realm is very harsh. Maybe they were all shot with a bow of light. Ah, maybe. So, again, it points to me to being like a ceiling realm. Why didn't they shoot the demon train? I don't know. I, I just don't know that it follows that this is... You know what? Maybe it doesn't really matter. Maybe it's just a silly thing. It's the Twilight Realm. See, I was trying to lead to the idea that it might be the Twilight Realm of this timeline, but I don't know that that necessarily follows either. Like, I'm thinking that the Twilight Realm is a separate... Like, that's the jailhouse realm. Mm-hmm. This is not. I think that this is where they come from. Before they have form. Before they have bodies. Time to fight the demon train. Okay, thanks. Okay, so the fight with the demon train comes in three segments, and all of them are timed. 
you can see on the upper screen that you are going along a set track and if you reach the end of that track before finishing a given phase of the demon train you will fly right off the end of it and plunge into infinite darkness and be gone. I gamed over at this part. Yeah, if you don't realize exactly what you're supposed to be doing in a given segment, it can be pretty tough. In the first segment, you're riding alongside the demon train, and it will open up. It has three cars. There's the actual engine itself, and then two cars that it's pulling behind it. And the rearmost car will open up in segments and drop enormous explosive barrels onto the tracks in front of you. And for this segment, you have four separate tracks that are in very close parallel to each other and you occasionally have to swap between them because the demon train will try to ram into you and you blow up the explosive barrels before the demon train can drop them and it starts damaging the car it's in you blow up all the barrels and all the segments then that car of the demon train will explode it'll plunge through a portal onto the next section and you follow it through in the second section, it's much the same thing, only instead of exploding barrels, it opens up into like BMOS, and you have to shoot the BMOS before they can shoot you with their lasers. And in the third segment, which in some ways is the hardest, you're pulling up right behind the engine itself, which is bristling with these diamond laser things that shoot out like the laser hallway from Resident Evil 4, and you have to blow up the laser emitters and once you blow up all of them on a given side, you'll pull ahead of the demon train and you have to shoot it in its Ganon face with your cannon a bunch of times. And if you're quick on the shooting phase of this, you only have to do it twice. And then you've defeated the demon train. Kind of. And the demon train's... Why kind of? Well, we'll get into that in just a second. The demon train slows to a stop and it gives off that big decompressive noise that trains do when their brakes are let loose and you have one more quick conversation with burn and angine where both of them are still wounded from their battle and they can't fight which means that the two of you are going to have to go alone well that's not exactly what it is angine says that she's wounded so she won't be able to help you burn instead volunteers and zelda's like no listen you're wounded too there's no reason for you to try to do something so dangerous and Burn, who doesn't believe that humans have the strength to take on demons or even stand up to them, is taken aback by the honest courage of these two children. And he says that he'll be watching you from behind. And then you... This is where the actual conversation of choosing what you're going to be takes place, I think. Oh, is this the spot? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Zelda's like, what are you going to do after? And then you're like, well, I'm definitely going to be an engineer. <laughs> or a warrior. <laughs> Or a warrior. Never say I don't know. Right, I always choose the good ending the first time. <laughs> you can redo it. You can redo it in later playthroughs. Well, not later playthroughs. You can just come back and fight Maladis again if you want to see the other ending. Oh, and um, Angine gives Zelda a phantom armor. She summons, she uses the last of her extant power to summon a particular phantom armor. And Zelda's like, okay, now we're good to fight. So you climb on top of the demon train and Maladis is up there. And Cole is like, yeah, Maladis is fully resurrected and now nothing can stop him. This is all pointless. And Zelda's like, I'm getting my body back. And then the fight starts. And it's big fight time. And this is in some ways um, the most execution heavy but also simplest boss fight in the entirety of Spirit Tracks. You're basically trying to make your way towards Zelda's body. Yes. What you have to do is you control Zelda 
and draw a path for her from the rear of the train car to the front of it. This starts off with the demon train beginning to move again. And both Link and Zelda look back as you're pulling away from the spirit train. And then you realize that this is really the last thing. That's the point of no return. You don't have your train anymore. So you draw a line for her across the top of the engine. And Cole tries to hold the two of you back by sending magical mice at Zelda. Which <laughs> tiny serve, ghost mice. Tiny ghost mice, which serve two purposes. One, they terrify her. If they come at her from the front... She'll freak out and not be able to move because she has a phobia of mice. And if they actually make contact with her, then Cole will use his magic to temporarily take control of the phantom's body. And you have to sever the bonds of his magic with the locomo sword. Like puppet strings. Like puppet strings. And if you try to run past Zelda, Maladus will blast you with a laser. Oh, you need to be running behind Zelda at all times. Yes. Zelda can tank Maladus's laser and push through it. You cannot, so you need to be behind her, partially so that you can intercept the magic mice, partially because if you don't, Maladus will just kill you. And then we finally get to the point where Maladus is right at the front of the train, and Zelda's there too, and then Zelda, in her phantom body, tackles Maladus in her actual body. And she, like, puts herself in a headlock, and Maladus is flying around all over the place trying to shake off this phantom. And Cole is freaking out because he doesn't know what to do at this point. He's like, oh no, oh this is bad. And Zelda's like, listen, shoot him with the arrow of light now. Now, now, now. Now, 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 now. So you shoot with the arrow of light. And it's actually a pretty difficult shot to make. It may take you a couple tries. But there's no actual time limit on this segment that I'm aware of. So you shoot Maladus with the arrow of light. And that ends the first part of the second part. Of the final boss fight. It's a very extensive sequence. Crystal, can you describe the next scene to us? Just a moment. So, the demon train is all crashed into the ground back in the light world. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, 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 this is the, like when you shoot Maladus with the light arrows when the demon train actually dies. And it just crashes into the mm-hmm. regular world? How's that work? Right, you're not in the, you're not in the dark realm anymore. That's weird. Why is that weird? How are they connected like that? The demon train can travel. Well, they fell through the ground. <laughs> the demon train can travel freely. Yeah, but is, is the dark realm, is the demon realm on top of the regular realm? No. I think it's supposed to imply that you're like, when the demon train dies, it does like this breaching thing like a whale does where it sinks beneath and then it tries to fly back up and then it crashes down. And I think the implication is supposed to be that you're literally crashing through the barrier between the realms. Okay. I'm sorry, Crystal. So, Maladus in Zelda's body is freaking out. And he's he seems to not like Zelda's body anymore. So he, he reveals his true form by siphoning himself out of Zelda's body. And he's just a big blue face. And it's kind of like Ganondorf's big flaming head form, only much sillier looking. No eyebrows yes. or nose. And Zelda immediately tries to fly through her body to go back into her body, but it doesn't work. Her body's just suspended in the air. And she tries like 30 times. Yeah, it keeps going on for a little while here. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Malice tries attacking Zelda, but then Burn holds him back using his locomo magic. The wounded Burn. And then Malice kills Burn. <laughs> the, the, okay, maybe skipping around a little bit here. <laughs> But uh, 
I, I like this particular segment because Cole says, don't you understand that that body is for Maladus alone and it's not for you anymore? And he tells Maladus to hurry up and take it back. And Maladus dives at it and it looks like he's going to get it and things are going to be all bad again. But then Maladus slams into this barrier that he can't get past and then it pulls back to show the wounded burn and there's just this little moment where it plays the really exciting version of burn's theme as he's holding maladus back and it's very good doesn't burn say something about how zelda's body has the sacred power of the spirits yes that's that's interesting of the spirits yeah of the spirits specifically oh so what does that mean (laughs) Um, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. What does that mean? Is Hylia a spirit of good? I think that the spirits of good are gods. Quite possibly. The spirits of good are equivalent to Hylia. Equivalent? That's a heavy thing to say. In this setting, they absolutely are. They are the once living gods who are dead now, but whose influence is everywhere. Mm. And the sages serve them. Okay. What's your take on it, Crystal? I think Hylia is just a particularly high-ranking spirit of good who took her chosen people to Skyloft. Hmm. Wait. Well, okay. Okay. Well, what if Hylia is just Hylia as the chief spirit of good? Maybe. I might not even say chief. Just, uh. But, I mean, Hylia is extremely powerful and is able to move through time, but... The power in Zelda's body is also said by Byrne to be the power of the spirits, and she has to call out to it to reclaim it in the same way. And if we take what Byrne says here as being canonically true, which is a little bit dicey, but also it's, it makes a certain amount of sense. What do you mean by that? If we accept the idea that the battle with Maladus is also the larger war against the demon tribe, that this was just one regional segment of that conflict then Hylia, as the group of gods who were referred to as the spirits of good, has a certain symmetry to it. You mean the spirits of good were Hylia? Not necessarily, but maybe. Hmm. Or at least they could be like equivalents to Hylia. Counterparts. They could be the rest of the heavenly host if you want. They're of the same kind. Yes. Cousins to Hylia as Maladus is a cousin to Demise. Just as, and so Byrne recognizes Hylia's blood as being like unto the spirits of good. Hmm. I, th- I think that makes a certain amount of sense. It also explains why Hylia's chosen people would originally be from this region and why this region used to worship the Triforce because the one of the spirits of good who originally guarded it used to live here. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me too two yay okay hylia okay yeah so zelda so zelda starts praying so that she can reclaim her body and she prays to tetra she tetra please give me your blessing to tetra to tetra Tetra reclaims her name and people stop calling her zelda at some point it's easy when you're the queen of a country (laughs) i don't know nico didn't seem to want to stop fucker oh it's nice it's nice and it gives her her name back and then she gets her body. Yep. Yeah, Tetra looks down on Zelda from Heaven's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then Zelda reclaims her body. And there's this moment where it's like, shoom! 
and there's this big light and Burns like over there get over there now 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 and Link runs over there to catch Zelda and it's one of those moments where it plays like this really heroic version of the song of the hero except Link realizes at the last second that he is in no way equipped to catch a person falling from 30 feet straight up and he eats shit completely and Zelda smashes into him <laughs> it's a great moment <laughs> and then Mal just murders Burns yeah yeah it's just blows him up into a billion little pieces. In my notes, I wrote that he gets smoked. <laughs> he literally, literally smoked. Literally smoked. Like, he's suspended by Maladus's power, and he screams real loud, and the two kids watch helplessly, and then at the last moment, he looks over at the two of them and makes a quiet, affirmative sort of sound, and then he's just winked out of existence. There aren't very many people who eat shit as hard as this yeah i think it's pretty much just burn and the calamity ganon who get destroyed this hard and the water sage i would say from twilight princess oh yeah 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 those are the those are the holy trinity of eating shit in the zelda series the water sage the calamity ganon and burn so now maladis needs a new body and you know who's gonna be i love boy with the little spikies on his head i love that cole who was like lecturing burn about how foolish he was to trust in the good graces of the demon king spends this moment where he's like okay now you just have to dispatch of zelda and then we'll get you back in the right body and there's this moment where he's like wait hold on no. and then he turns around and he looks at maladus and realizes what's about to happen he's like no your majesty please and then maladus eats him so maladus takes over cole's body and they they combine into some sort of ganon-like beast it is very much like the pig ganon sort of only it's almost like a lion i always thought it looked kind of doofy a little bit it's based on cole's design yeah it's very much if cole could turn into ganon this is what it would look like and maladus gets one of the coolest uh final boss speeches in the zelda series and i'm just going to read it here because when you shoot Zelda's body with the light arrow, it takes several minutes to eject him. It's like it causes a ch- chain reaction, wakes up Hylia's power, and that expels him. But when he takes control of Cole's body, which is both a demon and also still alive, there's like this big crackle of electricity, and it's clear that he's in a lot of pain, but it's not. he's not letting it stop him. He says, this vessel is rejecting my spirit. I'm slipping from it. I can't hold on for long. But the world will crumble in the time I have left. That's pretty cool. That's fucking sick. It, it just occurred to me, sorry to interrupt this cool moment. Oh, it's but, so cool. Uh, do you know what the bow of light is kind of like? What? It's kind of like those giant arrow machines in Subspace Emissary. What? Those giant machines that, that turn the Nintendo characters into figurines oh it does look kind of like those uh blaster cannons that bowser and wario carry or the effect of it yeah because they just shoot arrows sorry that was wow that was not tangent that has nothing to do with this segment that we're talking about even tangentially sorry and then zelda who is crying over burn having to sacrifice himself uh has this moment of determination where she does the dramatic shoujo heroine turn where the tears sparkle in the air behind the arc of her head and she says come on link let's settle this once and for all and then link comes up from out of frame 
with his sword out. And it's really clear that Zelda is actually like the driving protagonist force in that particular shot. And I like it a lot just for its composition. Fight time. It's fight time. This is part three of the final battle. Part three of part one of the final battle. This is a very chunky battle. It is. And this particular part can be either reasonable or very long, depending on how well you do it. Crystal, do you remember this part? Yeah, it's not dissimilar from like the the final fight of the Wind Waker. That is true of the last half. Do you remember how the first half starts off with Zelda charging up her power and you have to just keep Maladus's attacks away from her? Oh yeah, that is the first part of this that fight. Is- yeah, he's just like shooting fireballs and you gotta you gotta spin in front of Zelda to keep the fireballs away from her. Because she's stationary at the bottom she's ready. of the screen. Yeah. And and Maladus is on the top screen. And you've got the actual song for the final boss fight playing, but as Zelda charges up more and more of her power, the sound of her power building becomes louder and louder until it completely drowns out the music and then drowns out the sound of the fight and even drowns out the sound of Maladus roaring. And it's a very cool effect if you can keep the attacks away from her. Because near the end of it, they get very difficult. He throws like 90 degree fireballs. It's yeah. terrible. He does. He throws like boomerang accurate fireballs that you have to run off to the side and hit. And then the final thing that he does always is two volleys of four fireballs and spreading arcs that come down at you just barely staggered from each other. So you have to do the spin attack right in front of Zelda to hit them all. It's a pretty cool sequence that doesn't do a lot of damage to you, but it can take a long time if you have only been attacking up to this point by tapping on enemies. So once Zelda charges up all her power, you can play a song on your spirit flute, and Zelda will use her mystical power to amplify its magical energies. And then all the locomo show up in both the top and bottom screen to help you out as well. It- it's a great musical moment. It's really good, and it's different from the other Locomo songs in that it's really forgiving with regards to your timing and how exact you are with the notes, which is good because it's like five times you have to play this, and restarting it would really break up the moment. Zelda is singing. Zelda is singing. You're playing. And also, when Zelda finishes charging up her power, she looks like she's gone Super Saiyan because she's just flooded with golden fire. Is that the force of the goddess spirit? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Right. In in reclaiming her body, she has gained a deeper understanding of the power within her blood. Mm. Which means that after this game is over, demons are going to have a much harder time gaining a foothold in this kingdom until Zelda dies. So then you play it. Right. Unless they can mysteriously murder her before she can pass on her knowledge to her daughter. Well, don't trust anyone wearing two hats. Yeah. Maybe three hats. I think Zelda's going to pass laws about hat limitations. (laughs) Four hats? That should be fine, too. Hats are illegal unless you're a train engineer, and then they can only be standard caps. One hat. So the effect of this song is to summon a glowing pattern on Maladus' back, which is now a weak point. That Zelda will shoot with her bow on the top screen while you have to get Maladus turned around the right way on the bottom screen. I love that Zelda actually just says, oh, you have no weaknesses, you do now. It's a really nice song. Oh, yeah. They do. The final battle that they have here, the way that it transitions from the last song that you play with her and then into the final battle theme. Any final battle theme that incorporates the main theme of the game is automatically 10 times as exciting as any other final battle theme. 
And Cam, this is your favorite final battle theme, isn't it? One of? Yeah. I mean, I'm starting the episode off with it, but yeah, this I think this is my favorite final battle in the entire series. And if it's not my favorite battle theme, it's second at least. That's high up there. What do you think of this whole sequence here, Crystal? It's a very good sequence. I like that Zelda is the one at, is the DPS of the of the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Link is the tank. Yeah, it's so strong, and it's especially driven home in this particular sequence because even with this kingdom's equivalent of the Master Sword, you can't actually damage Maladus at all. At best, you irritate him enough to make him turn around and look at you. Mm-hmm. Eventually, when Maladus is weakened enough. Link stabs the Locomo head into his forehead, and you have to kind of rub the bottom screen as Maladus is struggling against yeah, you. Yeah, you're pressing. And then Zelda comes over, and she grabs the sword. So now both of you are trying to jam this sword into his forehead. <laughs> and there's, it's just like, it, it's so good, because when you start off, you think it's going to be like Wind Waker again, with Link pushing up against Maladus's jewel. And it's... After a second, it becomes clear you can't do it. And Zelda says, hold on, I'll be right there. And you get to see her perspective as she runs over on the top screen, which stays rooted over her shoulder. So you see how close she is to you before the both of you grab hold of the sword and jam And it's it. teamwork. It's teamwork because you can't do it alone. It's only with Zelda that the battle can be won. And then you stab him in the head, and that's why it's the best final boss fight in the series. And the gem breaks. God, it's so fucking god, the gem breaks! And Maladus explodes into light, and is nowhere to be seen. Yep. Monica, where would you put this in your ranking of the final battles? Because I know you don't care about most final battles, mechanically speaking. It's really up there. Thematically, I think it's probably the strongest in the series. Yeah. Zelda does so much, and it, it's not just that it's... Well, it's... One part it's Zelda, and the other part is you feel like you're part of a team with someone. So that's nice. What's your take on it, Crystal? I do think it's one of the best battles in the final battles in the series. You did make a tweet saying that it eclipsed the Wind Waker ending. It for me it does, for a few reasons. Mm. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think it's close. It just feels good because like it takes things that made the Wind Waker ending effective minus daftness and then cranks them up to 11 like you get that scene in wind waker where zelda's holding the master sword and then instead of her passing it instantly back to you they do something with it and it's just something that i really appreciate instead of a way to alleviate the lack of agency that tetra has throughout the wind waker in this sequence it feels like the capstone on the adventure that Zelda has had in order to literally reclaim her bodily autonomy. Yeah. She regains her agency, and in the final moments, she and Link are perfect equals. And I really like it. It's good. And it has good music. And it plays the Spirit Tracks overworld theme during the fight, and it's very exciting. Ugh. So Malice, Malice is... Do you think Malice is going to come back? No. Or is he done? He smoked. He didn't have time to make any big curse. He's gone forever. Yeah, he seems as dead as any enemy has ever been in this series. <laughs> he even says before the battle starts that is, I'm going to die, but I'm going to destroy the world before I die. And your job is just to make him die before he destroys the world. So, yeah. So, Anjin shows up and she's like, good job. <laughs> but someone's like, 
but Burn, he he died protecting me. And Anjin explains that the spirit is persistent, my dear. Burn may not have have any memories of these events, but years from now, he'll return in a new form. He'll reincarnate. You see, as Locomos, we weren't only meant to protect the spirit tracks. We were also meant to watch over mankind. But our protection is no longer needed. Even without the spirit's guidance, you will do well. So I think I will return to the heavens in the company of my old friend, Burn. <laughs> and she gathers together the scattered soul stuff of Burn's spirit, and it coalesces into what is a darker colored equivalent of Zelda's ghost from the very beginning of the game, when she was just like this little flying ball of energy. And then all the spirits are various colors of balls of light, like the sages. All the locomo get together, and... Anjin rises up out of her chair, and she has legs. <laughs> yeah. She super has legs, and then all they she turns into a ball of light, and then she and Burn go up, and then the other five Locomo join her, and I guess they go, they all return to the realm of the gods? Yeah, the heavens. Yeah, to the heavens. Yeah. So these are literally the sages of this place. Yeah. Only they peace out and tell Link and Zelda to watch over the land. And it's like, okay, you guys are done. It's all finished. You don't have to worry about the interference of demons and gods anymore. You're done. So here's your real happy ending. You've broken the cycle. This is the end. And Lincoln's all the whole hands. Yay. Yeah, they've made a scene just for Monica. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very sweet little sequence that yeah. speaks to how much they've been through together. It's not necessarily... It's just for me. Thanks. Not, I'm not saying it's even necessarily a romantic thing. It's just like, yeah. it's just a nice little moment doesn't have to be romantic it's just this shared thing where it's like they've been through so much together but it's for me i guess <laughs> and then the credits roll it's very good credits. they're very good credits cam you were talking about your ideal form of credits what do you mean with did, did i say ideal form do you mean the song or like the actual credit sequence um that there are little sketches or th- yeah, yeah, little yeah. event windows yeah yeah, yeah. into and what happened they don't have to like animate these complicated sequences instead they play this really nice credits theme and over it they give us images of things that happen now that the game is over you return to hyrule castle town with zelda and teacher's there and he's so happy to see everybody and we should pull up the images crystal do you have this up already i mean i have a video of the credits yes we're fishing it out right now, too. You've got Teacher being all happy that Zelda's back, and you've got Alfonso working on the train while the little shit kid in his hat is running around. Link goes back, and he talks to Linebeck Third, and you get a really clear shot of that Tingle statue. I'm sorry, I think you mean David Sr. I'm sorry, you get a really clear shot of that David Sr. statue. And you see that Nico has started up a whole thing where he's writing his version of the events of spirit tracks oh my goodness it's going to be so wildly skewed yeah it's going to be skewed because zelda's not going to have any agency in his version of the story because nico has a lot of problems especially with women and you get a nice little one of uh, spirit train rolling away from the castle town you got the anuki and it just shows you clips from all throughout the game and different characters going on about their things now that things are peaceful and you get one last shot of link and spirit zelda where link is leaning out of the train uh, of the car of the spirit 
train and Spirit Zelda is flying alongside. And it's just a really nice, happy moment, this really nice, happy image to end the game on. And then we transition into the multiple endings in the final scene. The first multiple ending of this series. Is this the first actual multiple ending in the Legend of Zelda series? Uh, Link's Awakening would be the first. Uh, True. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would we argue that Majora's Mask has multiple endings, or is that just like one ending with variables keyed into it? It's one ending. Okay. That's a pretty arbitrary line, but yeah, we'll say that Majora's Mask has one ending, Link's Awakening has two, and this game has three. Crystal, can you walk us through the different endings? So in the evil ending where you choose to be a warrior, (laughs) so all the endings begin with Zelda signing some papers or whatever, doing the boring queen work. Yeah, statecraft. She's distracted by something that happens outside. In the evil ending, Link is practicing some sword fighting, and he's distracted by Zelda, and he gets hit. He eats shit really hard. You don't see this happen. You just see Zelda wince when he goes, ah! It's because he gets distracted by Zelda. Yeah, of course. That's what Crystal said. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they wave. Uh, Yeah, and in the good ending, Zelda hears the choo-choo of the whistle outside, and she waves to Link. And he responds after the the end comes up. You hear the train whistle blow one more time. And it's the whistle of the train that you use. Yeah. And then the, the no ending, Zelda looks out the window, but doesn't get up. There's nothing in it. And there's nothing out there. Because Link didn't do anything. <laughs> in this one, in the other endings, the teacher is standing near her. In the Dunno ending, she's truly alone. It's kind of sad. What is this? Somebody referring to uh, Maladus as the bootleg Ganon. Oh. Which is fair. What, so, as a podcast, collectively, we're going to say that each of these endings is valid as a reflection of you, the player... But as a podcast collectively, the engineer one is the best one. I disagree. It's the good ending. Either one of them is fine. I think that Link is not working on his own future hard enough if he decides to be a guard, but whatever. Look, 66% of this podcast likes the engineer ending. 33% of this podcast likes the warrior ending. Mm. It's okay. Don't pick Dunno. The warrior ending does mean that Link gets to live near Zelda and be her boyfriend. There's Even if that's the single thing that you want to base your preferences on, Teacher specifically mentions when you drive him around that Link has the skills to be Zelda's personal driver. And he would be in the first place. Yeah, but he'd still be away from home a lot. So? Yeah. Everybody has a day job. It's important. Yeah, but not everybody has a day job that involves long travel time. Yeah, but his train is really fast, and he's a very good driver. Also, it's more romantic if you date a knight instead of a train engineer. <laughs> is it? Is it more romantic to do something where someone gives up their dream specifically for you than it is for someone who follows their dream and has a steady job I, in the bargain? I wouldn't frame this as giving up your dream. It is absolutely his dream to be an engineer. He managed to be an engineer by yeah, the but, time he's 10. But he was maybe possibly surprised by the appeal of being a warrior if we ever get a divorce it's going to be over the ending of this (laughs) game okay sure so what do we make of the similarity of the symbol of spirits to the hyrule crest you mean the eagle 
Yeah. The eagle that sort of... It's the same symbol that comes up every time you restore one of the force gems inside the temples. It's on the front of the train. Yeah, it's on the front of the spirit train. It looks like a trainy version of the eagle crest of Hyrule. Or the... Or no, take it from there. The crest of the goddess that is crowned by the Triforce. Only it's an upside down triangle. A force gem in this one. Is it just that... I don't know. What about it, Monica? <laughs> well, I suppose in this case, we've mm. basically decided that Hybia is a sort of spirit of good. So it's a symbol of the spirits. It also... It was a, spirit of the, a symbol of the spirits first, and then she took it and made it her symbol. And I'll, Everybody part of the group can have that symbol, more or less. When we get the Skyward Sword, it, uh, I really want to say it's interesting because... Everyone in Skyloft has a unique symbol that they wear. A family crest. A family crest. But they're all sort of vaguely bird-related. They are all derived from the Hylia symbol, kind of. So everybody really likes this this figure. This is like the template from which crests are designed throughout Hyrulean history. And I guess they're um, much more attuned to picking up the minor differences that are on the crests. Like, this one has four things poking out. And Helia's crest has the Triforce on it because she decided she was the rightful owner of that. <laughs> we'll get to that in Spirit... Uh, in Skyward, Skyward Sword, Sword. Which will be coming out, uh, or starting, God help us all, it's not all coming out, which will be starting a month after the release of this episode, I think. God damn, Skyward Sword is the next game. It is. But we did agree in part one that we would do a special episode for the cartoon before we started in on Skyward Sword, because we need a break. That's true. And I also need time to finish playing through hero mode. We're going to be recording for probably at least six solid weeks with regards to Skyward Sword. You have time to beat it. Yeah. Period. How far are you, Monica? I am... How far am I? You're about to go into the third dungeon. Yes, I'm about to go into the Temple of Time. Now, how many pages of notes do you have? Oh, God. Okay. Give us a second. Sorry, not into the Temple of Time, into the... Well, they do call it the Temple of Time. Yeah, but no, into the dungeon before the Temple of Time. The, the dungeon that is sitting next to the Temple of Time that will allow you... The mining you... facility. The mining facility. Okay, let's count this. One, two, three, four. Eighteen and a half pages. Okay. Now, uh, keep in mind that my pages, this notebook isn't eight and a half by 11. It's a little bit smaller. But also, I make very shorthand notes. Yeah. <laughs> and these particular pages will go further than the pages for almost any other game because Skyward Sword is so much denser. There's just so much to talk about. Like, the Skyward Sword was the end point of the way that the Zelda series has been so- sort of building up to this density of visual storytelling. It was never more extreme than in that game, and I don't think it ever will be again. We might want to break up the episodes midway with something, I don't know, light. Like take a break in the middle of it? Yes. Uh, we'll, more Zelda cartoons. <laughs> we'll figure that out when we come to it. What do we think of the lore and the fiction of Spirit Tracks? It is among the best of the series. Uh. Certainly, mm, yes, I would say the best of any of the handheld games. I think it really took us a moment to really figure out, you know, these spirits and the locomotive. It introduces a lot of different things, but we managed to do it. 
and because of a random rare item drop. Yeah, it ended up really being important to our expanded understanding of the entire series. Also, Crystal, I feel like it kind of delivers on the promise of Wind Waker in that it's a complete reset for the entire world, basically, where now they don't have to worry about gods and demons. It's mm-hmm. just people. Yes, yeah, so all the gods and demons are gone. That's basically the ending for the series that you want, right? Yes. It's like Halo. So for this timeline, Spirit Tracks is the good ending. Yes. It's pretty funny because if we we don't see anything else in the adult timeline, then we can safely conclude it's over. Yeah, absolutely. They managed to do it. They did it. It's all done. What would you do in the sequel to Spirit Tracks? I wouldn't. You wouldn't? I wouldn't make a sequel to Spirit Tracks. You would make a spir- mm. uh, sequel spinoff where Link just drives people around and delivers cuckoos to people. And um, that magic ice thing that is just a ripoff. Yeah, I need to big apologize uh, because when I said that Mega Ice might be magic, it's not. It's just ice. It's, it's just, just ice. It's just some grifter selling you ice, trying to sell you a natural resource. It's apparently very pure, but you don't need it to be pure. It was just to cool off lava. <laughs> Nobody's drinking this. I feel like you were leading someone, Crystal. Um, I was just going to say it's like Halo. Huh? How's it like Halo? It's about humanity uh, reclaiming their their ancient homelands and becoming free from the influence of the gods. That makes sense. I like that. And it works for the Legend of Zelda series. This is at least one track on which the series can finally end. And I think it's much more satisfying in that respect as an endpoint to a given timeline than Twilight Princess is. Twilight Princess is not much of an ending at all. The history of light and shadow will be written in blood. I mean, I guess if I had... If you put a gun... Crystal, how would you make a sequel to Spirit Tracks? I do not know, but I am... I like stories that continue after the obvious endpoint. Because we agreed, the three of us, in the Wind Waker episode, Ganondorf's not actually dead. He's been sealed away. Well, no, he became the demon train. Oh. Oh, is that what happened? No. Right, a little bit a little bit of his spirit leaked out and became the demon train. The demons just thought that Gandorf was really cool and then just made the train that way. Maybe the demon train was such a powerful evil spirit that it aspired to the form of Ganon in the same way that a heroic person will aspire to the spirit of the hero. Okay, so Gan's like a celebrity among demons. No, it's like he, we talked about this before. He is the archetype that you strive to become. Yeah. In the same He's way that, that you wake up to the spirit of the hero, if you're evil enough, you just become Ganon. Mm. Maladus is a lot like Ganon because he is that powerful and that evil. The shape of evil is the shape of Ganon. Yeah, basically. We've said this a couple of times. Um, is this the best version of the character of Zelda? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have to agree. They never did end up surpassing this. Is she the best sidekick? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. You hesitated there for a second, Crystal. I was thinking, but the answer is yes. Okay. I think we've we've pretty much reached we the reached end. We reached the end. Here's my question. Why is there a force gem on the Ocarina of Time shield? Mm-hmm. It's not the Tetra Force. <laughs> no, it's not the Tetra Force. It's plainly a force gem. 
<laughs> the history of Hylia is remembered only in this symbology. Okay. Because the Force Gems are the symbols of the spirits of good, of which Hylia is one. You can also... This is the last remnants of her being remembered as one of many rather than the goddess. Force Gems are also a collection of the energy in people. So it could also be a stance like we are under Hylia or with Hylia. Oh, so this is people shielded by the the provenance of the gods. Depending on your interpretation. Skyward Sword really added a lot of extra potential meaning to all of the symbology throughout the entire series. Yup. It was very rude of them. (laughs) What was it? Very rude of them to make it so much more complicated. It was rude of them to make a game and say, let's figure out the Master Sword and also what that red bird on the shield is. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And that's how the game started. Oh. That's basically how the game started. I really love Spirit Tracks. I, I, I'm glad that I went through the trouble of replaying it for this recording because, oh, that's a good game. That's a good game, and it makes me happy to play it. Got all choked up at that ending there. It's good stuff. Cameron, where can people send us questions? You can send us questions at the podcast Gmail account, Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can send questions to us on Twitter, at CamWriter or at ArcaneCrystal. That's Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, they got the new Gmail now. It's updated itself. It looks bad. It doesn't look good. New Gmail? I haven't looked yet. Yeah, I haven't. We got we got two emails. Oh. Okay. Would you like to start us off, Crystal? Direct us, Crystal. Okay. Let's let's take a question first. Okay. This comes in from Mitchell. So in Phantom Hourglass, the phantoms are creatures created by Bellum, right? At the end of the game, Bellum even turns into a super-duper phantom for his final form. However, in Spirit Tracks, phantoms take a very different role, as benevolent protectors who have been corrupted instead of invading entities. What events do you think could have transpired to create such a difference in nature between these two groups of the same being? Were they brought to the land the same way so many other entities came from the realm of the Ocean King? Or do you think the two groups split off Uh, some sort of original source or something else i think that phantoms are sort of the the shell that is formed when you try to magically make a thing a lot of the time so that there's a common appearance but these were formed through different sources what's your take crystal they seem to be the same things they look very similar I, hmm, I guess, yeah, I have to go with Monica's idea of there's lots of people can make phantoms and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. Um, I'm, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Kim. No, you go ahead. Um, I was just thinking it's possible because we, in Phantom Hourglass, the conclusion is that those are demons who have taken over the, the Temple of the Ocean King. But perhaps, you know, that was just the short summarized version and what you know in a full fuller explanation would have been is you know there were phantoms they were guarding and they were good before but then they were taken over and bad which suggests that the phantoms created by osis are the same as the phantoms created by the spirits of good similar yes i'm going to come down on the idea that the name spirits of good 
is dialectal and refers instead to the concept of gods, or mm. at least good gods. Oceus would also be a spirit of good. The Deku tree would be a spirit of good. Hylia is a spirit of good. And all of the spirits of good, though they are not individually named, are themselves gods of the same type. Oceus is a cousin of them, learned in the same forms of making, and that is why his phantoms are so much like theirs. And that's why you have this page open. I'm looking at the zelda.gamepedia.com page for the spirits of good, which are referred to in Japanese as Hikari no Kami, gods of light. That's interesting. I wish they hadn't changed that. I mean, god tracks doesn't really make a lot of... <laughs> yeah. It doesn't flow very well. No, it doesn't. It makes sense that they'd be called the spirit tracks. But the idea that the spirits of good are a specific collection of a larger type of being that we might refer to as gods, that they are the greater spirits, like nature spirits like the Deku Tree or Oceus or Levius or Hylia, that makes sense to me. And that they would all make phantoms just implies to me that Oceus and the spirits of good from the land of spirit tracks are contemporaries. So this is like in Greek mythology referring to the Furies as the kindly ones. Yes. Spirits of good is just one way to refer to the gods. Yes. Okay. And that's why they're similar. The, the phantoms themselves are not groups they are examples of craft. They have no sapience of their own, except for the sapience of the evil spirits that possess them. Or the good spirits. Like Zelda, Like yes. Zelda. Or Smash Brothers Zelda. Yeah. So that's I, I think that they have the same source and that they're all made by the gods. Oceus went to the same school as the spirits of good. God school. Yes. Boku no god school. <laughs> Boku no god school. <laughs> Boku no Kami Academia. Yes, Boku no Kami Academia. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we arrived. We arrived at the proper thing. And now I want. A, I if I could, if I could draw, I would draw Boku no Kami Academia, which is just like all the different gods from throughout the Zelda series in a classroom setting. It mm. would be good. Yes, but who's Bakugo? Who's Bakugo? Um, goddess of the mountain. Okay, I no, guess she's the invisible one. Oh, yeah. Okay, but no, they don't have to have exact parallels. Okay, okay. Is Deku the Deku tree? Yes. Okay, not Hylia. No. Even though the ultimate power is passed on to Hylia. Hylia can be all might. No, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, let's work on this fanfic later. <laughs> Next email. It wasn't going to be a crossover fanfic. It's just like an image. They're sitting there in the classroom. Next email. Uh, who's taking it, host? Hmm? <laughs> Sorry. Are we reading this next one, Crystal, host of the yeah. podcast? You're asking me who, which one of you should read yeah. it? Yeah. Both, both at the same time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> um, do we read through the whole thing? I'll, I'll read it, you big baby. <laughs> no, no, I'm fine with it. Good afternoon, Cameron, Crystal, and Monica. I found the Book of Medora podcast while searching for a Zelda podcast on Google Play to listen to at Yay. work, and I'm very happy to have found your labor of love. I admit that when I first played A Link to the Past, I was stuck as what I needed to do to obtain this tome. I was maybe seven or eight and would rent this game from our local movie gallery, and I didn't own any player's guides or have internet access. Movie gallery. 
god. I love how you research answers right away during recordings and speculate on minute details of each game. I love to explore every nook and cranny of a game world in addition to talking to every NPC I spot, so I greatly appreciate hearing you recapitulate every step of each game. I also love hearing how you observe the types of societies in the Zelda universe, such as monarchies, matriarchal systems, tribes, etc. It's easy to lose sight of these threads of storytelling whenever you're focused on completing missions, and the creators took great pains to create the lore and structure of Hyrule, or Termina, or the Great Sea. I often wonder, what exactly happens to Romani after she is captured by the aliens if you choose not to help her? Is she brainwashed? Lobotomized? Were Kafe and Kremia an item at some point in time? Or did Kremia just long for him? What happened to the graveyard boy in Kinkariko Village after seven years have passed? Just little side stories like this in rich Zelda games. I heard Cameron refer to his love of crawfish during the Wind Waker episodes, and I must agree that boiled crawfish are the best. I live in southern Louisiana, so that is a staple during the spring, especially during Lent. Thank you again for creating this podcast and taking the time to fully discuss each game. I listen to your podcast and another Zelda podcast, It's a Secret to Everybody, for my Zelda fix. Best wishes and keep up the great work. That comes in from Celeste. Thanks, Celeste. That's very nice, Celeste. There are a couple of questions in there. I'm from the northern end of Louisiana, so I didn't get to eat crawfish as often as folks from the southern end. But yeah, Louisiana solidarity. We have good food. I like crawdads. How dare you? (laughs) What? In front of me and God and Jesus and everybody refer to crawfish as crawdads. Is that not okay? No, it's fine. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Okay. What, What? about crayfish i guess that's probably also fine depending on where you're from you're okay as long as you can eat them i i i like playing on the idea of being offended by something as goofy as regional references for what food is supposed to be called but i don't really care there are uh so as to what happens to romani she is uh dissected uh we did agree in the majora's mask episode that she appeared to have been lobotomized yeah like, Ugh. she's completely non-responsive to everything. Yeah, that's what happens when you dissect someone's brain and put it back together. Ugh. Yeah. Those aliens. There's aliens <laughs> in this world. Now, as to Cafe and Kremia, Kremia was not longing for Cafe. No. Kremia was longing for Anjus. Yes. Yeah, which is a little bit of incidental knowledge that you can pick up listening to Romani. Yes. It's one of the more subtle things that affected a lot of arguments that we had about that game at the time because a lot of people misread or misremembered that particular part of the script because Cafe's mother assumes, or no, Andrew's mother assumes that Cafe may be cheating on Andrew with Cremia. Little did she understand. She did understand the relationship dynamics there. Huh? Andrew's mom didn't understand the relationship dynamics. Sorry, I thought, I thought you said did. Did not. Okay. No, I, I'm very, I'm a very firm proponent of the uh, Kremia Anju thing. Yeah, it's not even a thing to be a proponent of. Like Kremia just had romantic feelings for Anju that were never reciprocated. It's really not out there in the larger Zelda discourse, though. It's not probably because it's so quiet in comparison. It's hard to find the concrete details, but it's there, mm. and much more so than. The idea of Kremia being into Kafe. Um, she actually doesn't care for Kafe that much. No, she doesn't talk about him at all. She does worry that. Yeah, no, she doesn't care for Greg Universe. <laughs> Is Kremia Pearl? 
Crimea is Pearl. In this context. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, poor Pearl. Poor Pearl. And Kafe is Greg, and uh, Anju is Rose. Suddenly it all makes sense. The war criminal Rose Quartz. <laughs> the double, double plus war criminal Rose Quartz. Spoilers! No. She's a double war criminal. I didn't spoil anything. Everyone knows she's a war criminal. Okay, here, they, they retcons her war crime to make it an even worse war crime. Big war crime. They set you up for she did this war crime. They're like, actually, she didn't, but she did something even worse. Yeah. What does happen to the graveyard boy in Kakariko Village? Oh, he becomes the ghost hunter. Did you say that back in the episode? Yeah, I cannot recall. I feel like you might have. Mm. It's been a year, but that sounds familiar. The one that stays right by Hyrule Castle Town? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the stick? Yeah. Kind of makes a pass at Link. Well, not exactly. He does do that. Oh, okay. Kind of, yeah. Okay, sure. Why not? Oh, you are quite an energetic young man. You're brave and handsome, too. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit creepy about it. If I looked like you. That kid got fucked up in seven years. A little years. bit. I mean, he was really into all of these, you know... Scary stuff. Scary monster ghost things. I guess since we don't know what happened to that kid, we might as well say he was the Poe collector. Wasn't the soldier there in the the, the uh, young time kind of weird too? See, I kind of assumed that he was that soldier yeah, because that soldier no. was a bit off kilter. Yeah, I remember that. So I think he really didn't want to be a soldier. He wanted some more adventure, interesting things to happen. So I always assumed it was a soldier. And then things got real interesting real fast. Yeah, and he's happy. Sort he's of. the one guy that's happy. Yeah. He just hopes things keep getting worse. Ooh. Cameron, what's our email address? Our email address is bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That's bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. We need more questions. Please send us more emails. Yeah, send us in some questions. We're running low on questions. It's okay if we run low on questions, though. I mean, we used to not have a question section. But it's so fun. It is fun. We do we do love getting emails. Um, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, at CamWriter. You can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find some other podcasts at AudioEntropy.com. Ones I'm on include MCU Complete Me and Let's Place. And there's other good ones that I'm not on, like All Along the Watchtower, Totally Reprise, Let Me Tell You About Homestuck, Let's Steal a Podcast, and Transmission Radio. Uh, if you want to give me some money, you can go over to patreon.com slash arcanecrystal. Reist is a cool person who's a patron of me. Shout out to Reist. Give Crystal your fucking money. Did you want to hear a, 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 Zelda, a Spirit Tracks joke? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, okay, sure. Today, yes. I made this one up myself. <gasps> it's an original. Yay! Oh, my God. All right. What did Link find in the ocean realm? What did he find? Some sharks that taught him some spirit hacks. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay, good night. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night.